everyone, it's Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. I am your host here, as always, and uh, if you're just bumping into this podcast for the first time, it is primarily 12-step recovery-based podcast. Uh, we do, I do explore other ways in which people find their true selves, who, how they find their true voice, but the majority of my content and my story specifically uh, is, is based on recovery through working these 12 steps and practicing those principles in my life on a daily basis. Uh, speaking of that, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is the 12 steps for anybody. Uh, fits those people who uh, maybe just uh, have never felt like uh, the tr- traditional 12 step fellowships hadn't really worked for them. Uh, maybe you don't fit into one of the 100 or so 12 step fellowships that's out there. Or maybe you are a current 12-stepper and you want a little deeper dive, another look look at the steps from a different angle. Um, We also have meetings here in the little area. One of them specifically is a Zoom meeting on Thursday night, so you can join that meeting from any place in the world. If you go to 12stepspiritualrecovery.com, all spelled out, you will uh, find on there the meeting schedule, or if you want, contact me here here at uh, dan at spiritualunderground.org and I'll be happy to point you to that stuff. Once again, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn. It can be found, the book can be found on Amazon. Thank you, Darren Frank, for the music you allow me to wrap around this podcast. And uh, I think that's all the paying the bills. I don't know, my little, uh, I, I'm so busy with my handyman stuff that I'm, I don't know that I want to uh Advertise to be honest, I'd say, but if you need some handyman or woodworking business, uh, you got some woodwork type of stuff you want done, a project you got to see in a picture or something you'd like to have, except for you'd like it to have a little shorter, a little bigger. Give me a call. You will always be able to find the cheaper stuff online. And and uh, always one of the things I say, it's actually on my quote, is that uh, I am not your economical solution because handcrafted woodwork is not cheap. If you can find something that suits your duties on Ikea or Target or Walmart or whatever, Amazon, you're always going to be better doing that. If you need something special or you want something handcrafted and built to last, uh, then that's where I can come in and help you. So, uh, Dan at DTMWW.net and um, just give me a holler and we'll get something going. I've got quite a few cool little projects going on right now. I'm thankful for trying to bend the trying to bend the, the my reality more to woodworking and less than handyman. I always say my handyman or woodworking is what I love to do, but handyman pays the bills and. Um, so I try to keep a balance there, and uh, and it's working out really well. So uh, let's get back on track here with what we're doing today. Uh, got a friend here who just uh, celebrated. Uh, you, when did you celebrate? When, what is your sobriety day, Josh? It is four fifteen twenty one. So fourteen four months today. Four, oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, man, time goes by so quick, and it doesn't seem like seem like we were celebrating. It doesn't seem like it's been that. Two months or whatever since we had the celebration at a meeting cool well um you always talk a little bit about how i met people here and uh so many people come through uh christopher's program and uh and they funnel our directions and that's what didn't you end up landing in the brook i did i ended up in that mental hospital yeah over there with with christopher i always say you know that people don't understand the level of the gift they're receiving when they land in his lap um 
there's nobody that's going to give you an education on this disease that's more thorough and more uh, in your face and more uh, um, just point blank truth than what you're going to get uh, sitting with him. There's, I don't think there's too many people that know more about this disease than, than he does. Yeah, it makes me wish I would have, you know, not cheated on the assessment five years ago to get out of it, you know. Yeah. So I actually did it honestly this time because I, I needed the help. It's a, it's a, I've been talking a little bit, uh, and it's amazing what this, you know, I do look at it like this is a parasite inside of us that's got us hijacked. You ever heard me to go down a path on that a little bit? Yes. And maybe somebody else has done that. I just heard Jordan Peterson the other day talk about it too. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there's some kind of parasite out in the world to make a cow pitter go out and dance on the end of a stick and get eaten by a bird because that parasite needs to end up in that bird's belly. Oh, yeah. And it hijacks the caterpillar's <laughs> uh, operating system. And I think that's a really good description of what alcoholism does to us. It hijacks our operating system and it, and, uh, and, you know, I, I usually speak pretty freely. But, you know, it tells you that when, your 12-step fellowship is meeting on Tuesday night that you're okay going and hanging out with your family as long as, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I know that's the disease walking people because the disease is going. It's tapping me on the shoulder and saying, Dan, you're tired tonight. You <laughs> could right. use a nap. <laughs> oh, you don't need to go hang out with those dudes. Don't go, don't go hang out with those guys. You should be over here doing this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's doing everything in the world to keep me away from recovery. Yeah. I mean, I have those days too, you know, where, or excuses that I could make, but what I've learned over time is I have to make this the most important thing in my life. I have to. Yeah. Um, if, if I don't go, then that then I feel like I'm cheating myself, and then also I'm letting that disease creep in, yep. and, and I and, can't do and that. They're at this just point. sitting there with little pry bars and all kinds of stuff, trying to figure out where the little crack is. Man, working around the edges, trying to figure out what they can do to get back in there and get a, a foothold on us. Yeah, because uh, ultimately we end up like killing that vi- killing that parasite. You know. Uh, by doing the things we're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. uh, it goes in 100% remission, but it it still keeps trying, man. It's like it's uh, it's the, it's it's like some of the diseases you get that ain't gonna go away. Yeah, uh, it almost feels like a repellent, you know. Yeah, but, but I got to keep applying that repellent. <laughs> yeah, we do, and uh, and we have something, you know. We have a we have a system here. We have a program that will allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. You just have to do it. You know, pretty simple. Yeah, uh, that's. I was I was talking to to your sponsor Travis last night and today. You know, this uh, knowing for a fact. See, see, I've been around along a little bit, and I know what to do. And I also know what not to do. Mm-hmm. And for me to to like let go of my sobriety today, I think it would almost have to come from a somewhat from a conscious decision, because I would have to say, I'm not going to go. To meetings, right? Uh, you know, what am I going to tell these sponsees? Uh, hey, dude, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry, I hate to leave you hanging out to drive, man, but uh, right. I'm quitting this whole thing. Yeah, uh, and but I would have to make those kind of decisions in order to like to leave this thing. And uh, so, where we were going with that was is that he had a text from one of our buddies, and it uh, and it was the last text he got from the guy, and he he's just, he's not with us anymore, mm-hmm. and it said, "Hey man, I'm doing I'm doing fine, uh, not making many meetings lately, but and you know and and had a little recipe for what you want to do if you don't want to if you want to lose your sobriety, yeah, not to let not not to not to mention lose your life." 
Yeah, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to lose my life, and the trajectory that it's you know taken off on is something that I'm not willing to give up yep. today. Yep, and that's know, the thing. That's the thing. What this recovery thing has to be something better than the other thing. You know, it's just that's just the way it has to be. And if I don't find something better, and a lot of, a lot of, uh, frankly, a lot of people's idea about what twelve step recovery is isn't better than what drinking and using this. And I do. I believe it's a life and death thing. I see too many people die. Yeah, and, there's you know, a lot of proof. And there. it's one thing, man, if I'm gonna go off and die, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like, really, who cares about that really so much? Mm-hmm. But the freaking wreckage that I'm gonna leave behind and all the people I'm gonna hurt by doing that is where the selfish, self-centered, and all that comes in with our world, you know. And that's not a part of me anymore. I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna do everything I possibly can that my kids don't have a dad that dies that way. Right, yeah, I don't want to be one of those statistics, you know, and being talked about at a meeting, oh, you know, it got him too, you know, yep. and yep. I want to be there for my kid, and I want to show her that this this is a disease, it is real, but it can be overcome by doing the right thing, and here's the steps that I take. I mean, to me, it displays strength to her, so it's a good learning lesson for her. And know? I believe that we get to, you know, there's a, some, there's a line in that big book that says, uh... A, a person armed with the facts about themselves you know um, I armed my kids with the facts about me mm-hmm. and said there's a likelihood you got to, this thing has got a genetic component in it guys nobody ever did that with me mm-hmm. there's a genetic component floating around in my background too but the shame wrapped up around having this disease uh, was so thick that nobody was about to come tell you man be careful mm-hmm. yeah yeah. I mean, don't want to admit that's happening yeah, I mean, my mom, she, she never talked about it being a genetic thing, but she always told me I was allergic to alcohol. Oh, yeah? Use the word allergic. Hmm. So when I saw that in the book, it, you know, like it really, really stuck with me. Hmm. That's like, interesting. Holy shit, I do have an allergy to it, you know? Um, but, you know, we don't want to listen to our parents all no, that much, and we want to run our own show, and we want to do what we want to do, and, and that's what I I've got a daughter right now that's playing with the stuff you know and i know i know i know completely 100 percent that there's absolutely nothing i can say mm-hmm. that's going to change what she's going to do right nothing right yeah. ultimately at some level it's a keep my it sounds a little bit funny but you know one thing i will make sure my consciousness is clean and that i did do what i could do right right uh, <clears throat> if, if if the worst happens i don't want to go i wished i would have yeah yeah. I think I'm doing a pretty good job at that. Yeah, I mean, I just try and practice just the openness with her. You know, we, luckily we have that relationship today, and she trusts me a lot more, and yep. and will talk to me a little bit more and open up to me a little bit more, so we can have better discussions now that. Yep, um, that's the keep the dialogue open. That is the difference between uh, the worst cases and the others is the, keeping the dialogue. Because if I get on her for doing stuff, she's going to shut down on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be open with me now. Yeah. It's, and she seems to be in pretty open with me. She tries to dodge it, which every kid does. But uh, yeah. son, she's got some friends that care about her and will call me once in a while and say, hey, hmm. little kid friends, you know. Yeah. 16-year-old girls. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I got one of them uh, Monday, okay. midway through the day, phone rings. It's a Facebook message. and. Hmm. Some friend is concerned about her. Yeah. And it just so happened she was coming over a little bit later on in the day, so and she yeah. knew that. So right. that's why she called me. That sounds like a good friend. Yep, yep. 
No doubt. No doubt at all, man. Where'd you grow up at? Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. So, yeah, I grew up there. I moved to the Louisville area about 16 years ago. In this month, this month, June, it'd be 16 years I've been down here. Moved here with my ex-wife. Uh, she wanted to work married at a Married at that point. Was we, were, we were not married. Was no. an ex-wife then? No. Okay. No. We, we had just, we had been dating for... Prior to marriage. Ex-wife. Prior to marriage. Yeah, we were just boyfriend, girlfriend, and uh, we moved down here. Uh, ended up pregnant about three months in, four months into being here. Uh, so, Roots got planted real quick and then we decided to get married and then um had a baby and then you know let's back up a little bit from that so what was childhood like growing up what was did you you have your both in your mom and your dad and i did yes yeah mom and dad was raised catholic they were they were still married yeah they were both in their second marriage uh i had a a half brother you know my Uh, mom had had a son with another man before so i had an older brother um, and then a younger sister that was uh, my parents. She went to grade so. school and all that up in Indianapolis. I area. did. Yeah, it was actually India, or do you say, see, like when I'm all over, when I'm anyplace else in the world, I have to say I'm from Louisville. Right. Yeah. It no, hates it, me to say that because I live in Indiana, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, we're on the sunny uh, side over here. Yeah. So uh, so is it an Indianapolis thing like that? Or? It's absolutely Indianapolis. Yeah, it's it's the northwest side of Indianapolis. Okay. So, and I went to um, Catholic school my whole life. So I went to Christ the King and then oh, I went to you? a cathedral high school up there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's sometimes thrown out as a solution about like you know to avoid uh stories like yours and mine you know that uh, you know i like, know that's not uh some of the some of the wildest guys i knew growing up were from the local catholic high school oh yeah oh yeah there's i mean no, I, there's no it's not a, a safety zone there yeah i mean i ran with a couple that were wild but then i started getting mixed in with some some people from other schools and they like to have a little more fun in my opinion you know i quote air quote fun because that's i I got a rush out of it i don't know what it was but you know i just enjoyed doing things that i wasn't supposed to hit the pot or the or drinking first um well first time was alcohol alcohol was the first time and then i i don't know if i smoked pot that night too i just i know i ended up bent over a toilet puking my brains out at like i think i was 13 years old and if my friend down the street he had stolen some liquor from his parents and he had friends over we were up there drinking and it was red wine and uh his mom busted me and took me home and oh really but she didn't tell my parents oh yeah she no. just took you home yeah i was gonna walk home and she's like you are not walking home yeah. <laughs> so yeah same but my my first drunk actually yeah, my first drunk was at this table right here okay uh in about the same age 13 14 i always say 14 but i really don't know mm-hmm. and they're one of my favorite lines is if i knew i was going to be uh i'd have been i'd have took better notes if i knew i was going to have to tell this story later on yeah uh, but yeah unsuccessful the first time yeah completely unsuccessful the first time you know i don't even remember having any fun really i mean i felt like there was 15 seconds of fun as it washed over my body and you know i just lost all track of everything you know and it was in the daytime so mm-hmm. uh first time i got nudged was like i don't know five or six o'clock at work after mom and dad got home okay. i don't know why i was in bed mm-hmm. yeah yeah see i think the fun for me was the whole lead up to it the build up to it oh yeah we're gonna do this oh yeah and then yeah, not long after, then yeah, it was not fun anymore yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, that's still a piece, man. Sometimes the the fun of a lot of things is the anticipation of it happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, that was tough at at the beginning because like a nice day would be a trigger. Pretty much anything was a trigger, you know. Right. So that upset it, that I became like 
to me, that was like my idea of having fun was going to, you know, having a drink because of some reason, some excuse, you know, whether it was sunny out Wednesday, Tuesday, death, you know, birthday, whatever, you know, but, um, that's where I got my excitement is that I'm going to get fucked up, you know, I'm going to drink. And so I don't know, that's just what I enjoyed, but now I can actually get excited about stuff and it's, it's, it's rewired. It's pure excitement about actually doing stuff. And it's actually kind of cool to, it's real cool to get excited and yeah. do it so oh, it is you know? yes no doubt man but it so. takes rewiring in here man and it doesn't it doesn't turn around in a hurry either it takes time you know to to get it back and uh and frankly you're on the short end of the curve too man because mm-hmm. uh, with 14 months just getting started yeah yeah uh, one of the things about having a little bit more time as time goes by is uh, and it's cool it's great that i realize how little i knew it your part of the where I but I felt really good like I have a hold of you know I, mm-hmm. I there's just not I would never say this because I know how dangerous it is but at that early on you know I would continually think man I have got this thing you know, mm-hmm. we can slip away from you real quick too. Very, very, very quick. But then I look yeah. back from now and I thought, well, it's kind of like looking back and thinking about how dumb you were when you were 18. Mm-hmm. You thought you knew everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so did you just keep on, uh, like my upbringing, it was certain weekends and different stuff. That like maybe if there was a football game this weekend, we might go drinking mm-hmm. or something. And it was these spread out things that I didn't know when the next one was going to happen. It wasn't like I was drinking every, well, I certainly wasn't drinking every night. Yeah. Uh, and nor like every weekend either. You know, it just was a real sporadic thing for a while. Mm-hmm. But the time between just kept on getting, you know, less and less and less. There was less days of not drinking in between them until there were zero days of not drinking, you know, and that yeah. took 15, 20 years, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was it being at that age, you know, high school was whenever we could score some, you know, so it wasn't every day or it may be every other weekend. But, um, you know, I, I really got into the weed when Did I was you? in high school. That because was like, the dope man don't check your ID. No, no, <laughs> you know. But we figured out ways to get alcohol, and before you know, yeah, it, it was becoming yeah. more frequent, more frequent. So, um, and then I, I quit smoking weed for my job here, and then that's when like the real dependence upon alcohol began mm-hmm. when that became my escape, my coping mechanism. Because that's all I got left. That's all I had left, you know. So, uh, yeah. That's yeah. the main reason why I quit smoking weed because I couldn't handle it anymore. Hmm. It was nighty night. You know, if I wanted to just veg on the couch, I could smoke some. Yeah. But that I didn't really like doing that. I wanted to be up and doing things. Yeah. And uh, when, you know, and I could smoke some as a nightcap, you know, like at the end of the night when I knew I'm going to be hitting the sack soon, mm-hmm. I could say, sure, give, give me a hit. Yeah. But and like I weed, didn't do it at 8 p.m. Right. Right. And weed, I didn't I didn't like getting real high either. I, I could like cut myself off with that. You know what I mean? I could get to a level and be like, all right, I'm cool. Whereas alcohol, it was that straight phenomenon of craving. I yep. just could not get enough. Yeah. As know? long as, uh, you know, we feel OK as long as our butt alcohol level is raising. Mm-hmm. And once we allow that to tip over. Mm. That's when that other thing starts happening to guys like me and you, where I'm mm. uh, turned into an asshole. I got to get more in me, you know. I cannot allow that curve to to peak out and start heading down. Right, right. Yeah, and then you know I'm just like Russian roulette. I guess is pretty much how it was for me. Either I was a happy drunk, or you know the one smallest thing could set me off, and I'd you know get emotionally hijacked. So yeah. yeah. Did uh? Did you go to college? 
I went to IUPUI for a little bit, and then I did massage school. So did I you? got my massage therapy license cool. way back in the day. Yeah, I haven't. I moved here. I almost, you know, started dabbling in it again. But I, I had my job where I work now, and uh, it was a pretty good job. And yeah. So I stuck with it, and um, you know, I don't know that I would have been doing the uh, massage for the right purpose. And you know, after going to school and everything for that, it was, you know, learning about the energy and how you pass uh-huh. that on. I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. I don't think, you know, I'm not in it for the right reasons there, so I'm not going to do it. And I've got a good job doing what I'm doing now, yeah. so I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, I checked the some college box on the application. Yeah. And, and realize how, to some level, I know that this disease took any ambition. I had to work that hard mm-hmm. away, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, my story's much the same as that I had, I got a good job, and they started paying me like I was an engineer and started yeah. you know it's like well why in the hell would you and it does and I still mm-hmm. think it's, it's made complete sense why would I go back and pour myself into more schooling uh, for nothing is what it looked like because I'm mm-hmm. I'm an engineer today why do I need to go get a degree these guys short tracked me yeah absolutely and you know the cost of it alone to these days to go to college you know um, I was working in daytime and trying to do school at night. That was impossible because I was going to, by that, by sometime, I don't know, my middle 20s, if I had an opportunity, I was going to drink a few beers after work anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, maybe not every day, but enough days of the week that was interfering with me being able to do uh, mm-hmm. classwork in the evenings or even make it to class in the evenings. Yeah. Yeah. If I would have went away to school, I, I, I probably would have failed out first first semester maybe maybe made it through a year you know because i was definitely more focused on uh women and and getting messed up so that was my focus yeah. and this is some i'm i'm you know i don't know how much i think how much i know for real about about i think i wonder i'll tell you quit stumbling over that it is so scary how little i knew about myself at one point in my life that i wonder if i know now <laughs> right yeah then i'm like you know how how completely detached I was for what was really going on in Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that at times now I question whether if I even still do. You know, this way of living is working for me and it's and working really well. But uh, I hesitate sometimes to making the proclamations. But ultimately, the opposite sex was deeply involved with my drinking in the first place because I could not talk to the girls and I couldn't be you know I couldn't ask a girl to dance and all that kind of uh, they're almost uh, stereotypical things around here uh, mm-hmm. couldn't you know once I started drinking I could start interacting with the females yeah it became Superman you yep. know yeah. Uh, and that liquid courage, it just started being where, you know, it worked for most things. Mm-hmm. Any, I was socially awkward. I didn't like being in group situations, any place that was going on. Yeah. And uh, and but that that was the medicine. Oh, yeah. I mean, social anxiety was huge for me. And then also, you know, talking to the ladies. But, you know, now that I look at it and think about it, I probably did worse with the ladies drinking, you know, especially as the night went on um, and, you know, slurring my words and being sloppy drunk. Oh, yeah. Right. Nobody really wants that unless it's a sloppy drunk yeah, person, well, too. I'm, so, you know, yeah, but, I went on with another. I'm sure you're, you're yeah, not alone yeah, in this room with yeah, that in yeah. the night. Uh, OK, I'll take her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, whatever happens, happens. So sometimes you'd hear about some things the next day that 
no recollection. And that's yeah. a scary, scary thing, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I got an air joke where I said, I really wasn't a blackout drinker. It was just a lot of nights I didn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here towards the end, man, I was blacking out pretty much every night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was bad. I really didn't do that. You know, there was nights I don't remember, but uh, it's mostly a joke there. But I've heard people actually talk about blackout drinking and realize mm-hmm. I, I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Not that yeah. it makes any difference, but it is scary. And, yeah. Uh, I knew one person in my life, a female, who did that. And uh, there was some real scary shit going on in a female's life when she's blacked out. Oh, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And it hits cows like that harder. They're more likely to be that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not knowing uh, where they're at when they wake up in the morning. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's scary, period. Yeah. But, yeah, I can see it's definitely more... So how's your disease? Do you got some kind of description of how your disease progressed on you? And yeah, I mean, um, so you know, I got arrested for a DUI. That was my first first red flag, you know. But I, my delusional thoughts was when like, was oh, that? I was twenty two. I can't remember the year. It was, okay, yeah. it was the night. Before, it was the night before my. I body. like age is better than anything. What years? Because. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Humans pretty much progress on the same scale that they did a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. almost. You know? Right, and uh, and and we have to keep on learning these same lessons. You know, we're flying to the moon, and we're got electric cars and all this real cool shit. You know, these the advances, yeah. but our dumbasses have to learn the same fucking rules from start. Yeah, uh, every time. I just, I guess it's part of the human condition. You just mm-hmm. have to, just like that thing. You know, I'm not listening to anybody when I'm 18. You couldn't tell me. Yeah. And I've got a lot of good stuff to sell today. Mm-hmm. If I could yeah. actually get 18, 15, 16, 18 year old kids to listen to me, yeah, I got a lot of stuff that would completely change the trajectory of their lives. Yeah, and you're not even but selling it. You're willing it. to give it for free. Yeah, oh yeah, I would <laughs> give it away. Yeah, you know? like, and but they're not going to buy it. They're not going to take it. They're not going to. They're not going to take it for free. And we just had to keep on doing this. So I like the age reference too because it. There you were, you know, been drinking for a number of years, uh, before you were even legally allowed to mm-hmm. and then you know you get a year after you're drinking legal and you pop for a DUI yeah. and you know and when I, I, got, I got my first DUI when I was 16 yeah second one was 19 mm-hmm. and get known until I was 38 oh wow uh, but they tried to they tried to educate me back then and and I did the same thing that I see people do today. You know, guys come into our rooms today, you know, at I don't care it doesn't really matter how old but I'll say at 30 years old mm-hmm. and they got a DUI Mm-hmm. And they don't think they got a problem. It's like, man. Yeah, it's just unlucky. I mean, there wrong might place, be wrong this time, fluky you know? person that runs down through the road and gets a DUI and is yeah. not one of us. Yeah. And man, that's, right. a, that's a one in a million because if you're getting pulled over and you're getting caught, uh, how many times didn't you get caught? Uh, I have no idea, man. Yeah. Every. Uh, yeah, pretty much every time, which was a lot. You yeah. know, Then they invented Uber, which was a good thing. So you I know, never I, took advantage of that, man. I never, yeah. I, I've heard a number of people say that, that the Uber thing, because I had absolutely zero consciousness about drinking and driving yeah zero with kids in the car or anything yeah i mean now there were times that yeah i can handle myself god damn it mm, yeah i can make it you know and and yeah i mean i can say i was guilty of that too but i definitely utilized uber quite a bit Yeah, that's good but there was times i definitely did not you know it's that whole courage thing i'm fine i got this you know and give me my keys time to mess with it or the there's an embarrassment factor if you're going to have to get an uber you know i'm gonna get an uber while nobody's looking yeah Uh, yeah yeah 
Like hole. the moped and fat girls joke. Uh, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know good enough to probably yeah. say it. I have to. I just yeah. crank it around. It's such a thing. Yeah. Uh, you won't, you don't want to be seen on either one. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Mopeds are fun, but you don't want to get caught on one. Right. Right. And, uh, and that's where a lot of people with DUIs end up on a moped. Yeah, it is. Yeah. My dad now knows that and understands it. Uh, okay. About the, you know, because he just thought, you know, mm-hmm. like there's just some this there was just this element of people out who chose to drive mopeds. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Those guys don't have driver's license. Right. My neighbor drives a moped, but he also has a vehicle. So I think it's a gas-saving thing for him. Like the people that sneak through the thing about the DUIs and the not being an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. there are always exceptions. There's a dude who just likes to have a little motor scooter to turn around to the gas station to get some more cigarettes or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, I would too. But those are far and few between. The guys I see riding around on mopeds, I can tell by Mm -hmm. looking at them. They are not the guy you're talking about. Well, yeah, and who knows what he's got. I don't know his whole background and all that. And there was an ambulance outside of the house at 6 o'clock the other morning, the other morning, and uh, apparently... How many DUIs you end up with all together? One. Just one. Just one. So what they do, you end up ahead of the... Yeah, you I had, were here. I was in Ohio. It was the night. It was about three o'clock in the morning, I think. Uh, a lot of DUIs happen at three in the morning. Yeah, Walpaconetta. <laughs> um, you know, Walpaconetta, Ohio, and I failed to yield, I guess. But I had a loud Mustang, and uh, I got on it on the entrance ramp, and we had been out partying. I had buddies in the car, and whoop whoop, and she pulled me over. She's like, "Whoa, what's the occasion?" And then they're all hooting, hollering, "Yeah, oh, this guy's getting married." Blah blah blah. So she gets me out of the car, does the whole sobriety test, and then who's another, getting married? Uh, my best friend, okay. and I'm the best man in his wedding the next day. Um, so they take me to jail. They leave my car on the side of the road, and you know, um, yeah, then the I guys had to call for rides. They had to call for rides, and then they picked me up at the jail because the lady, they said the lady they just processed me and gave me all my stuff. And they said I don't want to didn't mess make up. Spend the night. No, they let me get picked up because they didn't want to mess up the wedding. I guess, uh-huh. which was which was nice of them in a small little town. But I did get to go back there to an alcohol class for the weekend, and you know they educated me, and all of it made perfect sense. But my thinking is I don't have that exactly. this is wrong place wrong time I'm 21 everybody gets oh, a DUI when they're 21 sense. 22 I can understand how you fellas might have to have all that yeah. it might be you but it ain't me it is not me you know I'm not an alcoholic All it took me a long tells time you, you ain't got it yeah Yep, pretty much. Yeah, because yeah, that's the same thing with me, man. From a time, I mean, at 16, I had to go to, I like, you know, had to, I don't really remember. Again, I kept track, but I had to go to three AA meetings mm-hmm. and then go to a couple alcohol awareness education things. I remember yeah. one time I had to go to this thing was called a victim's impact panel. Okay. Where mothers of drunk driving victims that lost their kids and this kind of stuff mm-hmm. stood up there and told their stories. Okay, so like did mad. impact you. Mad. Yeah. yeah. And these mom would tell the story of losing her little boy to a mm-hmm. drunk driver you know it was none of their fault you know they're completely innocent and, mm-hmm. and and serious and that's you know you're going whoa because it impacted me yeah but not enough to stop yeah it's like that well it's not going to happen to me yeah. you know like type so stuff. were you up out of town and then you had to you were living someplace else and then you had to go back for this i did stuff? yeah so my mom had to drive me up there drop me off because you know i wasn't allowed to drive in ohio because they took my license right then and there so um yeah she drove me up there i had to sleep in a room with a stranger a guy i didn't know <laughs> was it in the classes and stuff yeah we were really? all in the same classes but we, the, the men had to share rooms with men so that was a little awkward staying in a hotel with yeah, some man don't know, that yeah. i don't 
know. I did that. I went to like basketball camps and stuff, and I know maybe it wasn't a man kind of thing, but uh, the awkwardness of having to bunk up with a dude that you didn't know. You know, by the end of the week, you were a friend. Right. But uh, right. Yeah. It's like sleeping things. I did some Boy Scout camp like that when for my troop wasn't going to summer camp, and my dad would sign me up, and they'd integrate me into a group of people I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I couldn't even sneak down to the bar and go have a drink either. You know, (laughs) like I had to stay in the room. Drink, I would be okay. Yeah, we might become great friends. You know, so. But in Indiana, as long as I can remember, you had to sleep it off. There was, a, according to your blood alcohol level, mm-hmm. uh, you had to sleep it off for so many hours in the in the tank, man. Yeah, the next time I got arrested for public intox, I had to wait till I blew uh, clear. I got arrested for a public intox. I still didn't think I had a problem though. Yeah, you know, I had to go to alcohol classes for that too, and I was like, yeah, that stuff makes sense. I was a star. Like I already knew all the stuff, you know. But I'm not an alcoholic. It is amazing. Yeah. This thing is amazing, and yeah. what link that will go to to get you to not think you got it, you know. And, and yeah. we see it happen, and all. I mean, we see it. Hmm. If you go to meetings, you see it every time you go to one. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I can't tell you how many times you know. And you know, so. I want to be mad at those guys. Yeah. I want to be judgmental at them, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, but I also remember I did the exact same thing. Yeah, that's what I tell myself a lot. You know, I get frustrated when I hear some of this. I'm like, just do the damn work. You know, it works for all these guys. You know, but I was that guy too. You know, I got to my fourth step and stopped and got everything some of back. These we balked. Yeah, we, I got everything back I wanted back and got rid of the consequences that I was facing on that one and so I was like I don't need this and I'm going to do it myself so which so often man that people get their lives back and they get it going back in a good direction and they mm-hmm. will drop the tools before they're I did better yeah and then consummate this thing and you know they say if you don't put recovery first you're going to lose everything that you don't everything anything you, you put in front of it anything you put in front of your recovery you're going to lose and well I lost it you know I lost it. (laughs) I lost, ended up losing that girl that I was fighting to get back, you know, and then ended up losing my daughter for a few months too, you know, because of my drinking um, and my actions. So, yeah. Yep. And I still kept drinking after that. Yeah. I was going to say, because, you know, that's the thing. And uh, I've had some awesome teachers in my life. My current sponsor is one of them, but I've also had some pretty good teachers because of that four years that I had before my current sobriety date, I had good people in front of me. And, uh, to look a guy in the eyes and ask him, you know, so just how much pain is it going to take, buddy? You know, before you realize you're going to have to do something about this, because that's mm-hmm. what that universe does. It keeps on up in the ante, up in the ante, mm-hmm. up in the ante. Yeah. And uh, until you listen, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's not going to get any better. It's not like you're going to end up at a, a alcoholic at 32 years old, man, and going on that trajectory, mm-hmm. and things are going to get better. Yeah, they're yeah. not. Yeah, some, something, you know, I always wanted to think I was the exception to the rule, which I think most of us we do think that way. And uh, <laughs> history you proves. might need this to a little 12-step program, but I'm, I'm a little different. Right, there. right. Eternal uniqueness. Yeah, even, you know, my first sponsor when we were going through it all, you know, and uh, he's like, so do you think you're an alcoholic? <laughs> I'm like, not really. Like, I'm not convinced that I'm an alcoholic. So, um, I don't then, know. You know, like, actually, when I actually got here, and like my, you were talking about, I don't know, I don't know. So during that time that you had lost your daughter, I lost access to her, mm-hmm. and you're continuing to drink, is that hitting you? As that, far as it's like, okay, I'm beginning to believe that I really do have a problem. No, Not no, I was just, no. <laughs> I get it, yeah, I understand. Like, like when I was drinking, 
I was looking at that six to 20 years in prison mm-hmm. and was out on bail. Mm-hmm. And part of my bail stuff was, was I was to stay, I couldn't drink or use drugs. Yep. I don't understand that rule, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> and my lawyer was being real clear with me that, dude, you have to walk the line. Yeah. You get caught doing anything and this thing is going to go up to your worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I still couldn't stop drinking, man. Yeah. And I would sit here in this very house with liquor. Mm-hmm. knowing like hiding pull all the blinds it took like three years for me to open the blinds as before I would open up really? the curtains it's kind yeah. of funny so huh. I had a girlfriend said why do you keep this house all closed up yeah like I don't really know yeah. but I did know yeah like, I was hiding in here they wouldn't okay. nobody see me right uh, but not be able to drink you know to stand there and Travis said to me yesterday about some dude that said, you know, this they toss around this thing about the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. He said, no, insanity is really doing the same thing over and over again, knowing what's going to happen. Right. You already know what's going to happen, but you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's not good it's stuff. It's more insane than just keep on beating your head against the yeah. wall. So that's when, like, I, I remember, because you know, none of that do I realize at the time it's going on. Everything's happening for me in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. I see all I'm looking behind me and I'm like, oh, now I see where I was at back then. Yeah. In that period of time that I was looking at that prison sentence and still couldn't stop drinking, mm-hmm. I had to start going, damn, maybe I really am alcoholic. Right. You know, and I'd been in AA four years by then, you know, mm-hmm. three, not, you know, cause, or so, and had mm-hmm. a year of sobriety at one point. So I sort of had admitted it, right? Right. Right. And I would have told you that I had admitted it, mm-hmm. but I don't think it really was drove home until that yeah. period there. I guess there's a difference between admitting and acceptance. Yeah. You know, I can admit that I have a problem, but until I accept it, I can't do anything about yeah, it. There is. A you know, answer, yeah. I mean, I had to accept the fact that I am fucking alcoholic. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, it was to the point, you know, I mean, fast forward this last time I, I got sat down by my ex-wife my daughter and then my ex-wife's now current husband and they said yeah basically an intervention and they're like Carson has some stuff to say to you you know Carson's my daughter and um so she just told me how it made her feel you know I mean and and I meant it like I'll quit drinking you know but I still couldn't do it. Yeah, mean it with all our heart. <laughs> yeah, I meant it. Like it's bringing me to tears right now. There, I meant it, but I couldn't. I it's just I don't. I don't know what it was. The obsession of it, man. I would keep vodka in, and I'm homeless at this time. I didn't have a place to live, so I'm bouncing from Airbnb to somebody's couch. You know, I was homeless for a small port. You know, point in time, but um, you know, consequences. And uh, I was hiding vodka in in the trunk of my car. You know, and I smoked cigarettes. So every time I go out to smoke a cigarette, I take a pull off the vodka i haven't asked her if she knew if i was doing it at this point because i don't want to cause any more harm you know but um she's a kid she's smart she probably knew but i remember this little scan that my kids would do every time that they'd see me they'd be like this little scan they'd look around me you know, mm-hmm. look both hands. If I was sitting down, you know, they'd scan what was on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I remember this little scan they'd do every time they see me. Or if I'm sitting in bed mm-hmm. and they walk through the hallway and stop and say something to me, there'd be that little scan to look around to see. Oh yeah, 
Yep. And they didn't know what was going on, but they knew what, they knew something was going on. It wasn't good. Yeah, they've got intuition. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure she might have known something. I, I don't know, but um, you know, after about a week of doing that, I was like, "Fuck, I need help." Yeah. What did she and say? That so, day? what's that? What did she say that day? Just that she didn't like being around me drinking, and if I was going to be drinking, she didn't want to. She didn't want me around. You know, and that hurts. Yeah. Because I mean, I love her to death, and I love being around her, and I had her fifty percent of the time. You know, so. Um, yeah, that's a big heavy deal man no doubt yeah so once I figured out that uh, I couldn't couldn't stop I reached out to a buddy I'm like dude do you have a suggestion on a place to go and that's how I landed in in the brook and um you know, when the so you called a friend that you knew was sober, or a dude uh, that you just just a friend, just, just a, a friend. just a good friend of mine. I was like, man, like um, you know, he's he's a doctor, um, and he said I, I would suggest you go to go to this place. And um, so did you, you do know, some inpatient? I did not do inpatient. Just I just did, did intensive outpatient. Just yeah. Important the world couldn't do without you for five days. What's that? <laughs> That's well, the way I looked at it when I first had an opportunity. When I first hit one of those places, and they yeah. said, "Okay, here's what we do." You know, they yeah. assessed me, and she was really, really nice. Yeah. Here's what we do: we bring in, and you uh, you come here, and you stay here for five to seven days. We call that the detoxification process. And I was like, "What? Mm-hmm. Five to seven days?" You know, oh, I can't do that. You're going to take my job. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I could stack up a whole pile of excuses why there was no way I could disappear. Right now, I would give you $10,000 if you'll let me disappear for a week. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's priceless at this point. And it did end up doing that. But I really did. I, did, I negotiated uh, IOP. Okay. Yeah. And I got a year of sobriety off of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was great. I mean, you know, Chris Froy says when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Well, he yeah. appeared, man. Yeah. And, and he spoke to me. And then there was a guy in there, Toby, um, that, um, you know, he had been in there for a little bit already um, in into the in the brook. And you could see his lights were on. And I was like, holy shit, like, it's working for this guy. You know, but the first few days, I'm like, fuck this, man. This is bullshit. Why did I do this? How's this going to work? But. I see this guy and it's working for him. So I'm going to like latch onto him a little bit. And, and then before you knew it, you know, then they do the aftercare thing. So Toby and I built a relationship, started talking every day. And then I met my sponsor in there that, you know, he came in there to aftercare and you know, the rest is him pushing me through the work. So did your, uh, so that's like a 20 day thing for most people. That's what insurance yeah. pays for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had done the 20 days in the IOP and then was now coming back for the weekly aftercare thing. Yes. And were, had you found the spiritual underground until then? Yeah, I had found the spiritual underground before that because... Um, you were going to regular meetings? Yes, yes. My sponsor said, you have to go to the spiritual underground every Tuesday yeah. if I'm going yeah. to sponsor you. Was he your first sponsor? Uh, my This t- this time around. No, I had had a sponsor okay, but five years ago. Travis now. I am talking about Travis now, yes, sir. So, but... I'm just trying to figure out. Did you get a sponsor while using ILP? Travis. Okay. During ILP. During ILP. Yes. Yes. I I mean, it was at that point where I was like, uh, you know, I'd heard it all and I had seen everybody and I was jealous of everybody in AA before is what I've come to figure out. I wanted what they had, but I was, I think I was jealous and scared, scared. I I couldn't see my life without alcohol or with alcohol, you know? And, um, and I truly felt like a 12 year old. I mean, like that arrested development thing. mm -hmm. I can see that in me big time I, I actually felt like I became an adult at 45 years old yeah I did this work for the first time yeah so that fear underneath of that before 
felt like the fear of the same kind of thing that kept me socially awkward when I was a little kid and afraid to ask the girls out and all that. Yeah. I'm 43 years old and still got that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I don't know it. But now <laughs> looking back in the rearview mirror, I can see the same thing kept me from recovery at some level because I mm-hmm. didn't know how to, you know, I don't know how to act around people when I'm not drinking mm-hmm. because I've spent the last 20 years or whatever it was. I try to be real careful about that. Not too, you know, I don't, I suppose I could add that up, but it didn't mm-hmm. seem to ever work chronologically. But I spent the majority of my life inebriated. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to come in and start learning to act like a sober person. Yeah. Around people in AA, you know, that allowed me a safe place to start practicing. Yeah. hanging out with some people who weren't drinking. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I picked up a lot, you know, that first time. And so, you know, I heard it and I related to so much of it, but I just couldn't accept it. And so this time around, it was like, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it, you know. And Travis said, "This is the, I got the key to the treasure chest, man. I can make you a copy. All you got to do is everything I tell you to do and take these suggestions. And I was like, I, I did it, you know, and... I still continue to do that to this day. Am I perfect? No. <laughs> you know. And Bill says we are not saints. <laughs> I love that line. I'm glad he let me to let me know that I don't have to be a saint to be uh upstanding member of AA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're we're still human. We're still gonna make mistakes. Standing, but, I think, but now I can apologize and admit when I was wrong or you know, admit I when I was living. wrong. I have tools for living, yeah. I mean just the the tools for living that it's given me and just you know, emptying that trash can out of all that programming that was instilled in me over, over my life, you know, I wouldn't have that without doing the 12 steps. Like I can't just come to AA and be sober. I, this guy can't, you know, I can't, you know, and from what I see, there's a lot of the people that make it, the way they do it is by doing the 12 steps, you know, and staying connected. So, you know, I had that. Um, people listen to this podcast. I heard me say this probably for the hundredth time, but my very first day meeting ever, a big old guy named Rick looked at me and said, I can guarantee you that if you got this thing I got, this thing called alcoholism, I can guarantee you that if you will work these steps and practice these principles in your life, uh, your life's going to get a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I was already turned off. Yeah. Because he can't guarantee me nothing. Right. What is this dude saying? And God? Is he trying to... Uh, he never said God. Oh, thing, right? really? Okay. He said, I can guarantee you, if you got this thing that I got, alcoholism, mm-hmm. I can still almost for, verbatim say what he said. If you got this thing that I got, this thing we call alcoholism, if you will work these steps and practice these principles in your life, your life's going to get a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And then he said, but... If you got this thing I got, this thing called alcoholism, and you don't work these steps and practice these principles in your life, he said, your life's going to get a whole lot fucking worse. Mm. And mm. I mean, just straight up like that on day one. And I'm, but I still, I'm grateful for it today because now, now I can actually tell a man the same thing. Yeah. And know the sincerity that was in his eyes that night. Mm-hmm. That, that he knew that to be the truth. Yeah. And I know this to be the truth now, too, and can pass right. that message on. And, you know, you it's a guarantee. Yep. You work these steps and then practice these principles in your daily life, your life's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're either not an alcoholic <laughs> yeah. or uh, things are going to get a whole lot worse. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I can attest to that. You know, the times in between those things getting worse was getting shorter and shorter and just 
everything about it was getting worse, you know, yeah. more intense. It's that weird how it turns around on the other end, you know, like you realize you had a pretty good day today and you're actually excited about this one day you had that was pretty good mm-hmm. you know, after coming back around and you're trying yeah. to work his program. Yeah. And they say, you know, man, you're like, I, man, I got like three good days in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, and it gets getting longer and longer and these, these good days stack up and then you get knocked on your ass again for some, whatever reason, once in a while, you know, and it's yeah. such a great day again, but those days stack up and I can't tell you that. Well, when I hit, had COVID, yeah. even now I don't even call that bad, not compared to what I went through before. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was sheer sick. misery before, you know, like for me at least, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of pain and misery and not just for me, but for the people That's around the me, you know, yeah. I mean, I just, what the we wreckage. do to other people. And I've been joking around. I think I'm going to write a book, the 12 lies. <laughs> we got 12 <laughs> steps, 12 traditions and 12 concepts. Yeah. And you hear them in here. And one guy said it last night. He gave mm-hmm. me a new one to put in the book. Oh yeah. Which, night. which one was that? I don't have any amends. Oh, I'm that nice one. guy. Yeah. I heard that. I, I really haven't done anything to. But that's, he don't. He's the disease has got him. Like I told one day, come to me, you know, and I told uh, Travis this. I said, you you could see the joystick cord sticking out of his ass, man. Mm-hmm. The disease had a hold of that joystick, yeah. man, and it is running him. And yeah. you say, I haven't, you know, I never, I haven't hurt anybody. Yeah. Well, then you're in the wrong room, man. Right. And oh, people don't land in this room by accident. I sure as hell didn't get there on a winning streak. Fall into AA meeting, you know. Yeah. You just don't. I did in um, high school in my drugs and alcohol class. We had to go to a certain amount of AA meetings, and we just went there to smoke cigarettes and drink the coffee and listen to these people. You know, I don't know that I really learned anything there. It was just like I had to do it for, you know, school credit, and we get to go smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. And well, you know, like some of the stuff that they do, the repetition at the beginning of meetings and that kind of stuff is on purpose, right? That mm-hmm. repetition, which part of that rewiring we had to do to ourselves. Yeah, and even though it's not. Um, like there's no like regulations that says you have to do this in an AA meeting, uh-huh. but because we hear the steps so often and we like hear the promises, you know, mm-hmm. and we hear this stuff so often, uh, you know, I went to the little stretch of AA meetings when I was 16 and another little stretch of them when I was 19 and not when I came in at 40 years old, uh, for back again, you know, I, it really was, I considered the first time I went to an AA meeting with a third tradition in my pocket mm-hmm. where I had actual, well, I came to an AA meeting with a desire to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, none of it rang a bell. Yeah. It was all new to me, man. Mm-hmm. Hell, I cried during the promises. Yeah. First AA meeting. Yeah. I was hearing what they were saying and they did the closing at the end of that meeting. It said, uh, our at the end of 64, where it says, Vision uh, for you. Uh, where it says, uh, our book is meant to, is only meant to be suggestive. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that man, but yeah. just hammer me that first night. I was the back, like when I was here, not wanting to drink anymore. Mm-hmm. That stuff landed hard. Okay, yeah. See. I visualized myself walking out of that meeting. Yeah, with a big bucket of hope in each hand. Oh hell yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, you know, I didn't. Whatever I had coming out of there, I mm-hmm. never felt before. Yeah. Because I did a burning desire, you know, and okay. they said, "Does anybody have a?" Uh, well, they didn't do a burning desire. They said, uh, "Is anybody new to this meeting?" And you know what we're supposed to do? You're just yeah. supposed to go, yeah, my name is Dan. I'm an alcoholic. And mm-hmm. put your hand out and move on, right? That's all it's being asked. <laughs> and, but what what I know today is that stall, that they wait to see if anybody's just got COVID, 
fingers or whatever got uh, what things cold feet yeah got cold yeah. feet yeah. uh and just just slow to raise their hands you know there's that mm-hmm. little pause and when i heard that little pause i thought that meant i was supposed to you know it, that that pause made me uncomfortable mm. so i poured out a burning desire okay just off the cuff right and uh you know i was 72 hours sober i oh, was wow. jumped in this treatment center and you know i don't know what the hell i'm doing and mm-hmm. i'm here and it was ever like it was the right stuff to say right uh and the whole meeting became about me okay you know i mean everybody shared some of their experience and the whole thing mm-hmm. after that so when i walked out of that meeting at night i had a handful of telephone numbers and uh yeah that's and a, a good shit. book and um and two big giant buckets of hope yeah yeah so was that the the last is that when you really started no that was four years prior to my current sobriety date that was my first aa meeting okay in 2011 it was in march of 2011 okay i was able to hang on to a sobriety date of june the 11th 2011 Mm -hmm. and i hung on to that and for a year okay till 12. okay and yeah. uh, then I started thinking I, I started to get my stuff back. Mm-hmm. I heard a friend call it back problems. Back started problems. Started getting back problems. Mm-hmm. I was like, back problems? And he said, yeah, I started getting your stuff back. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and the bottle that I drank off was sitting right there on that hutch, right there. Okay. My ex-wife, my wife at the time was doing medicinal medicine and just taking herbs and making tinctures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she had a real cheap bottle of brandy over there and a real cheap bottle of vodka. Okay. And I went in the bathroom and got a Dixie cup and put some brandy in it and went sit down at the computer It was in that room to pay the bills before going to bed for that night mm-hmm. and said, hmm. And let off the Oof. phenomenon again, yeah. you know. But I really didn't know nothing compared to what I know today. Yeah. But still, you know, I went to a meeting the second night. So I was so high on the first night's meeting, I couldn't wait to go to a meeting tomorrow night. If this is the way this is, man, I like this. Yeah. Hell well, you know, of course, now I'm thinking, you know, it was all about me. And, you know, hell yeah. I mean, everywhere <laughs> I go, people are going, oh, look, look, there's Nan. Uh, and I went, and it was a speaker meeting. Okay. Completely different format. This was a discussion meeting the first night. Mm-hmm. And the speaker gave a big, long diatribe of relapse after relapse after relapse after relapse. I've been in the program for 20 years. Oh. He's, like, got two years now. Yeah. And, you know, he had as much as five at some point. And I was like, I was really, I was like, fuck this. Yeah. And yeah. It totally deflated everything I'd heard the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was actually shaking. I can remember shaking. And probably maybe some of those little bit of DTs, you know, now I'm four days sober. Yeah. But I was also scared. And I reached, I was reached in that pile of phone numbers I had, man, and combed through them like, who is who? Who is who? And I pulled a number out, and Jerry, yeah, I remember Jerry. And I called him, mm-hmm. and Jerry and some guys were at a McDonald's up in Georgetown. Okay. Up there by Travis's house. Okay. And uh, they it was like, you know, it was after an 8 o'clock meeting, so it was like 9.30 by now. Okay. And they say, come on up. Right. I was thinking, what? I said, no, man, really, drive up. Come hang out for a little bit. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. And that was actually, you know, that re-inflated me and stuff. And I mm-hmm. think I you know, met some people that I still, uh, still know today. Yeah, those meetings after the meetings can be pretty good, too. Yeah. You know, I, really I don't know if that's what that was, but, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of funny how COVID deflated that. It's not reinflated yet. Yeah, thank God for Zoom, though. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, thank God for Zoom. But it was, it um, was, uh, it was rough. Ooh. Hello. Hi. Everything uh, going all right? Yeah, it's going well. 
Oh. Yeah, I mean, COVID, man, that was that was an excuse for me to just get drunk every night. And so I th- it really progressed during COVID for me. So I can't imagine people, you know, trying to stay sober with all these, you know, not being able to go to meetings and with so you the were world April falling 21. apart. Mm-hmm. So that would have been like a full year after the explosion and maybe a year and a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine being in yeah you know not being so worried some of the times it happens it goes you know when we say practicing these principles mm-hmm. you know COVID I practice this on a daily basis for when COVID hits mm-hmm. and for when other life things when the curtain falls man and, and and the rug gets jerked out from underneath of you and I remember thinking you know I've been I was sober five years or whatever and I was thinking mm-hmm. man I've been sober for five years in order so I can survive this yeah Hell yeah. I don't know if I was any less sober before, you know, if I had any less time, would I be able to make it? Right. Yeah. I can, I can see how it was a lot of people fell. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people ended up, you know, progressing more in their, their diseases. A lot of bad stuff happened during COVID, you know, a lot of things, you know, you had lawyers making some money, but lots of babies being born, but, um, I don't know, man. It was it was interesting, but I did like. So you got sober it, in the COVID era, though. In the era, these were all still. Yes, yeah, it was on Zoom, which actually for this lazy alcoholic was good for me. Um, it ended up working in my favor because I didn't have to go somewhere, you know, um, to go to IOP. It made it easier for me to like, oh well, I can just get up and do it from my house and. So it made it easier yeah, for me. I, more, I understand it. I guess more comfortable for me to do because if I would have had to go somewhere, I think I would have been a little more hesitant to like do it. So once they told me it was Zoom, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, I was going to do it regardless, but I think that helped me stick with it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. The. Uh, um. I always think of these little things that we do are parts of what we're you know. It's not really AA, but like getting off your ass and taking some action to go to a meeting mm-hmm. uh, you know at some level I would have told you that was part of the requirement yeah you know that you got to get up and go mm-hmm. you know that's part of you going to any length right you know and COVID disproved that although it didn't really you still had to get up and get on right maybe yeah. not have to put pants on and I but... see people uh, <clears throat> bugging out of meetings all the time and you know especially when COVID was fresh mm-hmm. you'd see these empty screens and nobody was there the whole time you know like I guess if yeah. you'd sign on and take a screenshot of the meeting probably and so you can turn yeah. it in and say I was at the meeting yeah uh, yeah yeah, I would have been that guy five years ago. You know, all I was doing was going to get a paper signed and yep. trying Put to your go, tail feathers yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was here. You know, hey, we signed, signed my paper, and then, in fact, I think you uh, came up to me at the Spiritual Underground one of the days that I went there back then and introduced yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm almost you positive you did. You know, I can't remember 100 percent because really, I just wanted my paper signed and I wanted to get out of there yeah. and get back to my life. You know, but yeah, I did. For the most part, I don't let and still don't let a new face uh, in the meeting get away. Way without shaking their hands right. something to them. and that's good because it makes people feel welcome i know when people did come up to me when i was really accepting to it then yeah it, it made me feel good and it definitely helped i was like okay cool i feel like i belong here yeah. like i'm a I part mean, of those the guys group. doing that for me when i was brand new and was you know because by the time i made it to spiritual underground you know i i have been going to aa for four years hmm. semi-regularly okay because my, my tail feathers are good, and I would know i got to get back to these meetings or I'm going to end up, you know. Mm. I got a divorce in the meantime, and that four-year window, I mm. divorced. And, 
Uh, mm. I've been, uh, I failed a piss test at work and had a suspension at work and then got demoted when I got back to work and, uh-huh. you know, stuff was, you know, they were going downhill for me, you know, yeah. but I was still coming and that's one of the things, you know, I'm a, I am a product of keep coming back. Yeah. Cause I did. I, if I, you know, I may not have done many things right, mm-hmm. but I kept coming back. Yeah. Yeah, and so like when I see these guys today, that's another thing is I'm like, you know, that could that guy could be five years from his sobriety date, right? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be, right? You know? but so don't do anything to run him off tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> Extend but, the you know, hand because yeah. I remember a couple of guys too. Also, you know, you get some. I went to quite a, a pretty pretty big swath of meetings uh, that. You know, I knew a lot of guys that did that. And I don't know maybe if people are still doing it. I think COVID took the wind out of sales like that, too. Because mm-hmm. I knew guys that go to a meeting every day, you know, and they were five, ten years sober. You know, yeah. they're still, that was their social life at some level. You know, yeah. that's where it was at. And I'm not knocking, don't, and listeners, don't think I'm knocking at any level because I understand that. Yeah. Uh, and so I was doing that, too. And coming back in and you know I remember the first time I realized uh, when they said you know does anybody got 24 hour chips anybody want this and I had drank since whatever you know was ready to own it mm-hmm. and I got up and owned it some dude ripped my ass after it and he did this yeah, maybe he didn't do it after it might have been a meeting where they did it in the beginning of the meeting for tokens I can't remember but uh, at some point publicly the guy embarrassed me and he said boy if you ain't gonna take this serious you might as well just go back out there and keep on drinking Mm. And kind of, and I don't remember what all else he said, but he read me the riot act, and I, you know, he probably didn't say anything wrong, yeah. but he did hurt my feelings. Yeah. And I said, I'll never be back at this fucking meeting again. Right, right. And I don't yeah. want somebody saying that about me someplace out on this circuit, you know, mm-hmm. out on the AA thing. I'm not going back to that meeting again because that asshole that goes there. Yeah. Yeah. No, we want people coming to our meetings right. like, that was the best meeting I've ever been to, or I want to come back. And we hear it all the time yeah. in our meetings, man. The yeah. newcomers that come in there are like, man, I'm getting Something's a shot of hope here, here you yeah. know? And yeah. like, I love this place. I love the energy, you know? And that's what got me, you know? We're selling um, that. And I don't mean it by the bad thing. I mean, uh, you, know, you know, the original manuscript today, the, how it works, it says, we're here to sell you these three pertinent ideas mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> sell them to you yeah uh, but that's what we're promoting you know and this the guy started talking to me about the attraction versus promotion thing the other night and he had it all wrong he thought it okay. said something attraction and promotion and okay like, well, actually what it says <laughs> is that it's attraction rather than promotion we're not supposed to promote this thing mm-hmm. but i run around promote this thing everywhere i go yeah uh, yeah and, i mean and i want i want guys to say that i want because just like you said that was the attraction mm-hmm. of coming and going, hey, man, this looks like some dudes I could hang out with, right? These right. are some dudes I could, I could actually maybe be friends with and stuff because coming in, you don't, you know, it's another one of my lies. Mm-hmm. I'll never have any friends. Yeah, and part of my drinking was wanting to fit in. Well, now I can fit in with these guys and I don't have to drink and it's men wanting to become better men. Yep. You know, that's what it really got me is. And we talk like dudes and we, you know, we're not doing any holier than thou when we're in the mm-hmm. meeting, you know. And, yep. and there's some of that seemed uh, hypocritical to me in some meetings, similar like, you know, it's the thing like going to church and then we have a NASCAR race in a parking lot to get out of church on time and everybody's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, boy, that Christianity went right out the window when the service was Yeah, there. right, right. Uh, and that's some of the, what I felt like in some AA and stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, that they were standing there and they're talking one thing. Yeah. And then coming outside and, or going to the meeting after the meeting thing, and, and it's it's a different thing going on outside. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I found some meetings work for me and some 
just don't work for me yeah. and that's okay it may work for somebody else at that meeting but it's okay yep i yep. think you know Everybody you gotta find the right meetings to, yeah. yeah i tell the number one things i say you know i i have the best home group in the entire world mm-hmm. and if you don't feel that way about yours keep looking because it's out there someplace for sure i completely agree you know yeah. part of me is like man you i may wish not I like mine and that's <laughs> okay but, but i'm gonna do everything i can to make sure that guys that are like us that mm-hmm. do like that are feeling welcome and are wanting to come back next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like we, I hear it all the time, almost every Tuesday, you know, from some new guy, man, I love this place. And I mean, that's what I needed. I needed hope, you know, I needed to see that this works, you know, um, and, and find somebody that I could relate to and that I felt even more similar to. And I found that with Travis, and that's what really gave me hope. It's like, holy cow, this guy can do it. He did it. Like, I'm just going to latch on to him. And and he's still, he's got that same, like, you know, that struggle story of coming around and for whatever reason not getting it. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. don't understand exactly, you know, I can like put some together, some stuff like that prison sentence and some, and I remember sitting here not be able to not drink and my kids didn't want to stay here anymore. You know, we had 50, 50 kind of thing going on mm-hmm. and they didn't want to be here and they were right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they were because I wouldn't, and then, and then after I got divorced, it's actually in my divorce decree that I won't drink when the kids are with me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's in my divorce agreement. Yeah, and uh, which my lawyer was like, "You sure you want to say that?" And I was like, "Yeah," and I was for my sobriety date. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I had all that stuff, but I still. You know, there's another little saying that says, keep coming back until the miracle happens. And I don't know what it, you know, there's no description of what makes all of a sudden that receptiveness turn on that caused me to actually, like I like to say, push all my chips to the middle of the table Mm -hmm. and just say, I'm all in. Yeah. I think it was a series of events for me, you know, like a a few spiritual experiences along the way at the beginning, you know, one was going to your retreat and, um, uh, we were doing the eye gazing and then I was on the third person or whatever. And and it ended up being Travis, my sponsor. And while I call him every day at eight o'clock and my watch reminds me to do that because I'm a forgetful person and you know so I had to set a reminder as soon as we lock hands there it vibrates and it says call Travis I'm like holy sh whoa I'm right where I'm supposed to be you know I gotta do this so that was just like one of the things along the way and then just of course that whole weekend experience you know yeah they get your body in you know and that's one of the things I've tried to do in one of my one of my goals mission around the retreat is to make sure there's new guys there mm-hmm. and try to get them, you know, to buy into that this is real because it yeah. is, but we don't buy into it, you know. We, yeah. we keep the shield up and the wall up, mm-hmm. and every single year somebody does, if not at least one, and usually more than that. Yeah, uh, yeah we buy a... into that this thing is real, uh, yeah, and you know, and that's you know. I think we've got a few for, changing stuff. Yeah, I'm hoping several all everybody, you know, from this last retreat, but I mean we had several new guys and yeah. it, it like seems like they're all and they're all like, still coming. They're all still coming actually, and they lost a couple after that. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Well, that's I mean, what people are going to do, but was it like 5% of us are going to make. It? I don't know yeah. what the statistic is, but, I think it's lower than that, but Yeah, I would say so. Like, like you know. 3 in 10 is yeah. or, or No. Three percent, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, and I sure as hell didn't get it on the first attempt. <laughs> One of the things I heard people say too, you know, and I and I'm a fan of the tough love at some level, and the shooting straight. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're not going to meet Dan Reeves, and walk out of here and say that guy never did tell me the secret to this thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because you're going to hear it from me about working these steps and practicing these principles, and we do this stuff, and that's what we do to stay sober. Mm-hmm. And you walk off like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the ones that said they got a room full of guys, and they say, all right, there's like in a treatment center, you know, there's 25 of you in here, and um, chances are there's only two that's going to make it. Which two of you is going to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And put some fire under. Yeah. Actually, turning it into a little yeah, competition because then we get into this little thing where we want to win. Yeah, we we don't like being told what we can't and can do, you know. So when like told we can't do something, at least I don't. You know, I don't like being told I can't do something. It's a completely. Well, I think it's a it's it's a human thing, and it's definitely an alcoholic thing. You cannot tell an alcoholic what to do. That's the quickest way to run him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even when I was on probation, That's why they say suggestions. Yeah, suggestive only. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, even when I was on probation, I. I was told that I cannot drink alcohol. That's cool. Well, I just won't drink alcohol three days before I come into my meeting, so it's clear out of my system. <laughs> you know, yeah. I quit for three I'll days. I will work your system. I will work your system, but you know, it all catches up to you, man. Um, yeah, you can't you know? keep this right up. No, it all catches well, up Jordan to you. Peter says something. You know, you're, you. He said, "I'm convinced that you don't ever get away with anything." You no, the universe don't get away. It doesn't lie. You, you know, yeah. one you. I'd have drank on home incarceration at some point. Mm. I'm really surprised today that I didn't. Yeah. I remember being. I remember leaving a meeting and needing to be back home. You know, because that thing's going to go off, and uh, it knows when I'm. It knows what time I'm coming and going. It, yeah. There was a machine up at the top of them steps. It was a breathalyzer. Okay. And it uh, when I broke, you know, when I broke, when I when when it sensed that I was close, and mm-hmm. I hadn't been around for a little bit, it whistled for me. So every time I come home, my first thing to do, I couldn't even like get my briefcase or whatever, my backpack out of the car. Huh. I had to come home, park the car, and run in here and no run a few steps because it's already going off by the time I pull up in the garage. Oh wow, I and didn't it know. It stops. That. You know, it runs and you get. And there was a couple times where I didn't hear it, especially early on. Uh huh. And I run up to it, and it stops, and I'm like, <gasps> I'm blowing in it. It's not uh-huh. doing nothing. You know, yeah. I'm waiting for the cops to pull up. Yeah. You know, they're gonna be yeah. here any minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it would, I remember one Sunday it called for me seven times. Hmm. I would just be sitting here. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh-huh. And right up there and it took your uh, picture. Okay. And of course it knew that you was the ankle bracelet because it had you that way. Yeah. And, you know, and you blew huh. your blood alcohol and it sent it down there. It was hooked up on a phone line. Okay. And sent it down to the probation office. Hmm. I had no idea they had that. And I had that for nine months. Oof. Yeah. And yeah. it saved me. Yeah. Because I couldn't cheat that thing, man. Yeah. I would leave a nine o'clock meeting thinking that, man, I could just get like three beers, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I and I like, no, you can't. Right. You know? Yeah. And sometimes I'd come home and I, you know, I'd formulate that plan. I, I'll keep them. I'll go in there. I'll blow in that machine, mm-hmm. and then I it won't call for me again till morning. That mm-hmm. was what it usually did. Yeah. And but there were some times when I was on my way back down the steps, and that son of a bitch called you back up. Oh there. man! It would do it fifteen minutes later. It was totally erratic. It was really. Yeah. Uh, it was going to catch me if I did something. Yeah. Forced and, accountability. Yeah, and it yeah. Uh, and it helped. Yeah. And another little funny thing was, and I've told this story before too. And you may or may not have heard it. Is that uh, I was ninety days sober. 90 days into the program at the same time, the 90 days into the home incarceration. And uh, I went down and I was seeing, you know, usually seeing the same people. You go down. I'm, I went down on Fridays. I turned in all my verifications for where I had been last week. Mm-hmm. You know, my signatures and 
everything. I had to get, I'd take my son to scouts. I'd have to get the scoutmaster to sign a piece of paper. Okay. Uh, I'd take my daughter to dance. I'd have to get a dance lady to sign a piece of paper. Yeah. Everywhere I was going, I'd have to have somebody verifying mm-hmm. that I was actually there. Now, they took like if one day I'd go to get, I could, once a week I could go to grocery shopping for an hour. Okay. And uh, the receipt better be where you said you were going to go and it better be time stamped. And you better not lose at it. The right, yeah, at the right time. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm turning in all these pieces of paper every week. Yeah. And I have a schedule telling them what I'm going to do the following week. So hmm. I'm turning in verifications from last week. I'm turning in my schedule for next week. Yeah. And a girl looks at and normally it's the same person. So it kind of gets a little rote, you know, they, and I'm developing a relationship with them, you know, and they're mm-hmm. seeing that I'm being up and up. They're not having to like, well, where's your this? And yeah. why is they're not having, there's no holes in my stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I hit a new gal, you know, once in a while, somebody's on vacation or whatever, you know, and I got down there and he said, well, you're going to need to see whatever her name was. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I sit down with her and she takes my stuff and she looks at it and she goes, well, you've been in the program. You've been with us for 90 days, right? And I said, yeah. And she goes, uh, why are you only going to your parents for an hour on Sunday, you know, on Sunday? You know, I was like, well, that's all I was told I could, mm. you know, that I could go see my parents for an hour. Yeah. And uh, I said, uh, that's all they said I could do, you know? And she goes, oh, no, but at 90 days, all that stuff increases. And she said, at 90 days, you can go over and spend three hours. Well, one of my things was, is that I don't want to go over and sit around for three hours. <laughs> but uh, I said, you know, and I laughed. I go, you know, I said, you know, I'm almost positive that I'm not going to mess this up uh, on purpose. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm, I'm trying to do everything that I can possibly do to toe the line here and do everything. But I said, my biggest fear is I'm going to trip over something I'm not sure about, I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And she pulls, she opens this drawer, desk drawer out. And she picks up a stapled together bunch of eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper. And across the front, it says HIP participant guidelines. Okay. And I'm home incarceration program. Yeah. And she goes, they didn't give you one of these? <laughs> and I was, I'm still smiling. And yeah. I'm like, no, they didn't give me one of those. And she goes, oh. And she put it back in the drawer and she shut the drawer <laughs> and she just went on with her work. And, this. and I said, like, can, can I get one of them? And she goes, I'll ask. <laughs> it was almost like you know, she's like, what's going on that they didn't even give this guy the yeah, book, man? Right. So I have a social worker gal who, uh, she was an angel to me down there. Um, and I would go see her next. Mm-hmm. And she would ask me how life's going and, you know, and just social work type yeah. stuff. And um, and the first thing I went in there, I said, uh, Janine Yank, uh, what's going on? You're not gonna believe this. I said, you, um, they tell me this girl told me I should be had to give the, got these guidelines from the get go, mm-hmm. and I said I never got any guidelines. And she said, you're kidding. I said, no, I never did. I never got any guidelines. I keep everything. I said, I'm an organized mug you ever seen. You know, I come down there with all my stuff, right. ducks in a row, and uh, and she knew that about me, mm-hmm. and she goes. Well, she goes over and she gets one out of a drawer, you know, and she says, here, and just hands it to me, you know. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, she said, when I asked her for one, she said she would ask because I didn't want to step on no toes there either. Yeah, yeah. And when I got it home, I found out that it had all these mulligans in it. Okay. Throughout the first, like, I could have, first time I drink, if I got a hot blow on the machine, it's just a slap on the wrist. Huh. And the second time, I would lose some privileges, like I wouldn't be able to go here or go there. And the third time, you know, it would get a little steeper. Mm-hmm. You know, And I could have like a half a dozen mulligans before I was going to get in any real trouble. Yeah. And, you know, if I'd have known that, I'd have done it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would have too. Uh, I for sure would have. I would have. I know me well enough, man. Yeah. If I knew I had some mulligans, yeah. I'd have done it. But I didn't know, man. Yeah. But I've been working these steps with Christopher for three months now, man. And at the end of three months, I am out of the woods to some extent. Mm, yeah. You know, I am. I remember saying one time, I am a free man. Yeah, Floyd County community corrections don't think i'm a free man because of the ankle bracelets on my ankle yeah but in here i'm a free dude yeah and uh it's just interesting that's a great story on that yeah that that, how that all laid out you know and what a blessing it was to be on home incarceration and like Mm -hmm. took it it, you know uh, last week at the meeting a guy wanted to let everybody know and he said this out loud in the meeting that sometimes other things need to be put in front of your recovery just well, he wanted, did you remember hearing that? Mm-hmm. And I went to jump through the microphone. And I, I told him, Christopher, I'm going to get me an AA, like an old uh, British police guy, officer. Uh-huh. You know, they have them funny hats. Yeah. And whistle. And I'm going to start being an AA <laughs> police Whistleblower, man. yeah. <laughs> Foul, vote, violation. <laughs> that dude is wrong. <laughs> what, just, what he just said, that is not admissible in court. Right. Uh, strike yeah. that from the record because yeah. that is not the truth. Yeah, I mean. And uh, that home incarceration took everything off the front of my table. There was nothing. They let me go to work. They let me go to recovery. And they let me take my kids to points A and B where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And everything else was taken off the front. When a yeah. buddy got married and there was going to be a bachelor party, and how am I going to do that sober? I'll tell you how I'm doing it. I can't go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl party was going on. How am I going to do that sober? Can't uh, go. All those things that happen to you in early recovery where you get these opportunities to, uh, to mm-hmm. uh, possibly go play yeah. around around alcohol and figure out how you're going to navigate that. Yeah. It took it all off the table. Heck yeah. I even had one guy tell me that I had got. He's still unable to stay sober, and I've known him since. Christopher tried to hook me up with him when I, when I was six months sober. Uh-huh. Like my, he, was, he was my first sponsee. Oh, okay. And uh, he's still not sober. And he told me one time, he said, well, Dan, you had an unfair advantage. And I was like, what was that? And he said, well, you were on home incarceration. <laughs> I said, buddy. I can arrange to get you one of them. <laughs> right. You want an I can't bracelet? promise that's where it'll end. Right. But we can work on one of those for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was a sense in a way. Me and Toby kid around about that. We have a, we do have an unfair advantage. And when we land in a spiritual underground group with the amount of recovery and the kind of guys that are hanging around with us, mm-hmm. it, that's an unfair advantage. We have a. We have a springboard that oh, yeah. not everybody gets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this way of doing the steps. Well, that's really part of what led my, you know, was a big factor in my decision on picking Travis, you know, and having him sponsor me is the lineage, you know, because, you know, I'd heard Burns before, you know, my first time through it, and then I heard Burns had sponsored Christopher, you know, and then Christopher sponsored you, and then you sponsored Travis, and it was like, man, yeah, that's, if I'm going to do it, like, I want that lineage, yeah. you know, like, and Burns uh, had ties to, like, people, like, that were close to Bill, I think, you know, so it's just very strong lineage, and those are some footsteps and suggestions that I want to take, yeah. you know what I mean? So, We've got a fantastic recipe for doing this work. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like, I mean, it's relatively easy. Mm-hmm. It's relatively painless, relatively. Yeah. And it happens real fast. If you'll stay on the course that I, you know, and I have a talk with every new guy, if you will do what I ask you to do, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be free in four months. Yeah. And I say, we're not going to take any longer than six because mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to, we're not dragging it out that long. I allowed one sponsor to drag it out and it was like a diluted 
alcohol or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it diluted the process. Yeah, well, because we took too long. Well, like Raymer says, there's like a window of opportunity, and there's you know? a pace. You know, another one of my little things I say uh, come upon me is that you know when it's like taking antibiotics. If they tell you they give you this little bottle of antibiotics and they tell you to take one in the morning and one in the evening for mm-hmm. ten days, mm-hmm. you can't take four today and skip three days. Right. You don't yeah. get the effect. Yeah. You've got to take them as it's prescribed, and if you will do this work as prescribed, mm-hmm. you'll get that guaranteed outcome that I was talking about earlier. Yep. But the flip side of that is, is you also got there's there's more to do. Yeah. <laughs> that practicing these principles in your daily life is where. Uh, yeah, because I'm still an alcoholic. Yep. I still am crazy. Yep. I still get sideways on my thinking. But the good thing is, you know, those tools that, that that we have, you know, I have people I can reach out to and and just my perception of just things and how to handle them. You know, what we will intuitively know how to handle things that used to baffle us. It's true. It's true. It's fucking true. Yeah, well, so the stuff, the wording and stuff that is in that book is just amazing. It is. written in 1935. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just rings bells. Would yeah. you also, I was talking to this a little bit. The further I am away from a drink, the less the drinking was really what it was about. Mm-hmm. I had to get that out of the way. Yes. You know, but the real work was in the work on me. And the alcohol had to be set aside in order for me to do that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw somebody post today uh, something about, they told me if I got sober, my life would get better. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's mm. not just getting sober. It's not. It's so much more than that. Because I had periods of sobriety in the past where I would put it down for a little bit, you know. Yeah. I went home. I remember when, and I think I even remember it was 2005, I went uh, five months without drinking mm-hmm. on my own. Yeah. Just wasn't going to do it. I didn't even tell my wife. I didn't I didn't mm. do anything. I just stopped drinking. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I did start pouring my life into church. Okay. And the fellowship there, and the service. I was volunteering to do hand out communion, and yeah. and I was getting to know people, you know. And we also they had this little thing called uh, cars ministry, where we were working on cars, trying to put them back together. If you were a single woman and you had a problem with your car, okay, that's uh, cool. We try to fix it for you for nothing, you know. Yeah. And we'd meet up, and I don't remember what night it was, but like on Thursday nights, we'd meet at this little garage out in Sellersburg and mm-hmm. and work on cars, wrench on cars, try to get these yeah, cars going, cool. you know. And we'd get one going, and the girl would be happier and crap because these dudes fixed her car for nothing, and she didn't have any idea how she was going to pay for doing it, you know. Right. And uh, I think I, somehow another parts got bought by somebody. I don't really, I never did understand that part. Okay. But I was fellowshipping with these men every week. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, like, now I look back at that period and I see what kept me sober. You know, it had some elements of what we do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean. But that... I didn't understand anything about, like, staying power. And I didn't work on me. You know, there was no inventory on mm-hmm. my grosser handicaps and, you know, and going around and cleaning up your past and, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of elements. There was none of that out there. As a matter of fact, every self-help thing or personal development thing I know of, um, I rarely, if ever, see any of them that have a amend component in it. see a lot of them have inquiry work, mm-hmm. journaling and writing about what's, you know, something that would kind of look like a four-step. Yeah. And maybe a fifth where you sit down and talk to somebody. Right. But I don't know. I, I don't run into ones that have our the, our wonderful uh, element of amends in them. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, those amends. I mean, the feeling you get when you're done and just that clearing up that karmic balance. So there's there's something to be said about that, Absolutely, you know. Yeah. And I still have some to make, you know. Um, Me too. Um, and then some that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty to make. So. I'd encourage you to get on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm you know, actually going to talk to Travis. That feeling you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That feeling you're talking about, how good that feels to clean that up. And even still, I had to be pushed to do it. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'd really like to get my parents done. Um, it's really, the, this, I would have to say, you know, that uh, I'm questioning myself and my knowledge of this particular element, but I think I'm right. It was June the 11th the other day was Founders Day. Mm-hmm. And actually, Founders Day is not the day Bill and Bob met, uh, which would make sense. Yeah. Right? Or the day they did something specifically. I mean, from my understanding is, it's the day that Dr. Bob, it was the, his sobriety date. And because he did his amends, his story is where he went around town and did all his amends yeah. in one day. Yeah, yeah. That was the day. Okay. Know? And so his the founding date of AA is based basically on the fact that Dr. Bob did his amends. Okay. You that's know? that's and, cool. I didn't know that. You don't think you know? That's to me that just highlights the importance of what that component is to our program, mm-hmm. um, going around and cleaning up your past. You know that. Yeah balance in the karmic scales thing yeah because that's not the I man i have to walk around with my head on a swivel wondering who's sneaking up who's walking up behind me or anything anymore i can walk around as a you know a, i can walk around like i deserve to breathe the same oxygen as everybody else does right and it's nice to know that i'm not the man that i was then you know i'm a totally different person yep. and i mean i wouldn't have figured all that out without doing the fourth and fifth step i mean yep it's this definitely huge, has to be there no doubt it's it, it i mean i learned so much about it you know and stuff of it some of it was already there but there's some power in it when you hear another person that you trust you know when you're sharing your fifth step with someone else there's some power to that to actually hear someone say it you know because my I head admit this all day long up in my head but until i admit it to another man mm-hmm uh, yeah. It's not real. Right. Yeah. I can I can justify it or be delusional in some way. I could find find some way to pitter pat around it and, and, and just stuff it back in the garbage yep. can. Rationalize it, justify it inside exactly. my head and all that and walk yeah. on, man. But, but the you tell freedom else. that came with sitting there with Travis and 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 doing that was it's priceless, man. Yep. I mean that is really I think that's truly where my spiritual experience like the major one happened. Yeah, someplace in the walk of everybody, there will be a point, and you know, and it's not, you know, it's different for different people. Yeah, it's really ninth step, but that that the that I had like a white light experience, so to speak, you know, was yeah. when I was in the ninth step. Okay, and yeah. I was knocking out amends, and I, you know, I felt freer on every piece of it, you know, but it was a ninth step where I remember. I could still remember saying because I had put together this big long string of good days, mm-hmm. and I couldn't remember the last time I'd had a bad day. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Christopher goes, "Are you about halfway done?" <laughs> Here I'm trying to share juice with him, which is a requirement of me being his sponsee, and I'm yeah. telling him about how good things are. Yeah. And he goes, "Are you about halfway done?" I was like, you know, in my head I'm thinking, "God damn, dude!" <laughs> and they put it together that we will be amazed before we're halfway through his mm. ninth step promise. Yes. And I was. Before I was halfway done with my amends, mm-hmm. I was sitting here with this big, long, good streak going yeah. on. Right. And uh, 
and and that's when the bell got rang. You know, it's like, ding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, I was trying to think back on a couple things. You've been on one other podcast. I was going to say that earlier too. Uh, uh, you weren't a part of the last year's after action report. I don't think after the. I after think the, there may have been a snippet on that. Really? Not much. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, but you were part of the most recent one a couple of months ago. Whenever yeah. now it's last month. It's almost a month yeah. ago exactly. Yep. I have lost my comprehension of time. <laughs> I really have. It's just a blur. Day and time living. Uh-huh. And taking that seriously. Uh, I, you know, I don't go dipping into the future. Mm-hmm. And the past just flies behind me, man. And I don't yeah. worry about how many days ago it was that I did this or did that. Yep. If I got a prescription of antibiotics, I'd have to be real careful with them. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't I, days click off like crazy. Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, this whole rec- fourteen months has been a blur, you know. And and obviously, honestly, back to like COVID just seems like a time warp in, in general, yeah, you know. No um, but um, you know that whole one day at a time living thing, man. That has. You know, at first, I hated it. Oh, what? You know, it was like, fuck. But you know, once I realized living one day at a time, and I just got to stay sober today, and not worry about I can't drink for the rest of my life. I'm never gonna have fun. This and that. Like it totally changed my life. Like by actually learning to live that way, and it didn't just happen like that. Oh, okay, I'm gonna one no, day at a time kind of guy. It's stuff. practicing it, practicing it, practicing it, and I mean that gives me so much more relief and has helped me through this. Is that one day at a time? Yeah, because so. really, you know, and it is even non-alcoholics and everybody. Mm-hmm. And go back and read old spiritual teachings from two thousand years ago and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tell you the same thing, yeah. you know, that it's 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 the whole concept that's behind the whole of these books like The Power of Now mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, all this stuff, all this. That's kind of what I was saying a minute ago about all this teaching that is out there and has been out there forever. Yeah. And, you know, we harness it in middle age. You know, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You know, I don't, when I say harness, I don't mean like a perfect it kind of thing, but yeah. we grab it and we get it. We, we climb on that horse at middle age and it seems like a miracle. Right. You know, right. but it's been around forever. Yeah. Yeah, you I said the power now. That, Have you read that? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, I just yeah, I just man, downloaded it. Books. I just downloaded it. it so, yeah, I'm trying to get through it. It's a long one. Yeah, but, it is a long uh, one. And does he read it? Are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. believe I believe he is the. Yeah, he's a little hard yeah. for me to listen to. I find myself drifting quite a bit, you know, because I've been trying to listen to it in the car, yeah. and I find myself like I after about time ten minutes, I'm. Before I know it, I'm just like gone. So I'm, yeah. I was going to ask if there's any suggestions on listening to it, or maybe that's one I need to read. Read. Yeah, I read it. Uh, I've always been a reader. Okay. Since I was a little kid, I yeah. was a reader. Okay. And uh, so, like, whenever people, when I was in early recovery in those first four years and that kind of stuff, and guys are giving me books, mm-hmm. I grab them and gobble them up. Okay. I don't know if I can read at the rate that I used to be able to, though. You know, yeah. now the Audible has. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, right now I'm listening to uh, War and Peace. Okay. Leo Tolstoy. Yeah. 60 hours. 60 hours. And I just had to bite it off in chunks, man. And mm-hmm. I'll listen to a couple hours of it here. Yeah. And I set it back in the library. And then okay. for whatever reason, I'll get touched again. I'll go, okay, I'm going to listen to a couple more hours of it. And, yeah. And I'm just making my way through it yeah that's that's a that's a and big this one might be one of them too yeah. it ain't that long is it yeah power of now is i think it's like 
15 hours yeah. maybe on Audible? A lot of books maybe? are 10, 15 hours. Someplace I down, think it's right? 15 hours. I like the two to three hour ones yeah. personally. I feel like I'm getting ripped off. Yeah. I, don't like I, mean, I don't like using a credit if they're less than eight hours. Yeah, I, sometimes I feel like I'm getting ripped off. But if it's something, I've listened to things like multiple times. Somebody once told me you got to listen to things, something, I, I forget the number, like 10, 15 times for it to really stick. Oh, really? To where like it's like. I think I catch stuff quicker than that, but I do yeah. listen to it multiple times. Yeah. I mean, I'm in my car all day, every day, pretty much. So I might as well be listening to that. You Feed know. your head. Absolutely. It's my little mobile university, you know. So, um, and that's something yep. I always, always was into. Just I was too much of a drunk to like. <laughs> yeah, it got hard to read, and the comprehension went way down. But I used yeah. to like read novels. Oh, okay. I lo- you know, I, I loved like military kind of kick-ass shoot 'em up, bang bang stuff. You know, yeah. like Navy SEAL stuff. Okay. And, uh, and eat up a bunch of that kind of stuff, and just and I could sit up like sit up late and drink and read and read and read and couldn't put the book down. Really. Okay. But, uh, you know, there's no real, no real meat in them kind of books that I'm trying to absorb mm. any ideas out of. Yeah. But I know there is one part, and I got it someplace because I wrote it down in my notebook on my phone, uh, a particular thing that Eckhart Tolle said about the now and the, that mm. the, the, honestly, there's everything, that, everything is an illusion except for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Five minutes ago is a, is the past. It's a memory. Yeah, we couldn't even prove it really happened. Right. You know, we've got a little recorder here where we can go back and see and replay what was happening five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. But for all intents and purposes, it's gone. And every second in the future is the same thing. It's just an illusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the real the real deal is is that that the only thing you have is right now. Right. Right. For whatever reason, when I read him say that, it really sunk in a, a few years ago, and it is a, you know, a fundamental truth. Uh, every problem that somebody brings to you, because I don't know about you, but uh, well, I sponsor a lot of guys, and they always have problems when they're new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people now will come to me and ask me questions and like want my opinion on stuff, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, not AA stuff, you know. They just hell, I have customers do it and stuff, and without exception, they're either remorsing over something in the past, or they're fearing something in the future that ain't, you know. Yeah. Like you can't do nothing about that water under the bridge. Yeah. And you're making shit up when you're reading the future. You know, it's like my crystal ball here. Yeah. Man. It's like, uh, yeah. What's that old thing? Ninety uh, percent of the things we fear will never come to fruition. I believe that's what it is. And yes. uh, and a hundred percent of them haven't happened yet. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I used to get wrapped up in fear and then resentments of the past. We make stuff up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it had. Bill s- says that line, fancied or real. Yeah. I mean, it, it had so much power over me, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it controlled me. Yeah. And, and just yeah. practicing to learn to let all that go, you know. I mean, and I said this, and I say this so often, I feel like I'm a broken record player. But, and I still do it, you know. I go, am I okay right now? Mm-hmm. Dan, right now. Are you okay when I'm losing my mind a little bit? And I'll still do it. You know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm breathing. The roof, I've got a roof over my head. There's food in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, car's got gas in it, or electric in your case. <laughs> uh, and you'll, yes, I'm not sick. I feel okay. I'm okay right now. Right. And that's really all that matters. Yeah. 
yeah it's crazy because i use that tool too yep yep because that's all we have you know i was even talking to my mom earlier it drives people like, nuts around us too though because they, they like they want us to plan and they also want us to get on the bandwagon about what happened last week and yeah yeah and it's like i just i don't want to participate in that some today you know there's a lot of things i just don't want to participate in because it doesn't hold any value to me you know i can't change the past um and i can't control the yep. future all i can do is control my actions right now yep and and you know if i really do have a part to play in that past thing i have a tool to clean it up absolutely yeah and definitely right yeah yeah, and that's why we go over the nightly inventory or whenever you do it, you know, each day, daily inventory, you know. Um, but I need to probably reach out to a lady that I got a little upset with yesterday over the phone from my payroll, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, she sent an email to my boss and said, I, I talked to Josh and uh, he sounded a little upset. <laughs> well, I, I was because it's, I, yeah, I don't understand why your, it happened. It shouldn't have happened. So, about it and then, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll talk to him about it tonight. I love being that way. I love that I have this tool that I don't have to. It flips people out too. When you call them up tomorrow yeah. and you say, "Hey, you know," uh, and my standard thing is, "Is hey, that guy I was yesterday is not the guy I'm trying to be today. Yeah, I'm trying to operate different than that, and uh, and I need to clean that up." Okay. And, you know, I don't say I'm in twelve step recovery. Yeah. You know, because of the ninth thing, like I said last night, Millie. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Specify my harms. Do you have anything to say? Mm-hmm. What can I do to fix it? Yeah. And in normal life, you know, mm-hmm. I'm doing my amends for the first time through in certain circumstances. I, I'm working a 12-step program, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm here. I'm, yeah. We made a list of people we'd harmed, and you're on my list. Yeah. Uh, but just out in life, hey, I'm not... I, that's an old that's an old me coming out and I don't want to operate like that anymore. So if you will, will you let me... I'm, you know, I... I'm, acted inappropriate yesterday and uh you know specify what you did and we'll Mm -hmm. own it yep own it so there's no question mark about what you did Mm -hmm. and uh then if you if maybe that wasn't it when we say do you have anything to say do you you know they say well actually what pissed me off was (laughs) and uh and what can i do to make it right man it's such a powerful tool to do life with it is and that just adds to the freedom you know i mean the whole thing for me is just the freedom that comes along with this you know this deal and and being a different and better man each and every day and i love it that saved my life and i appreciate you and Travis and Christopher and this 12-step program. It's a wee thing. Anonymous. Yeah, I mean, I could not do it by myself. I tried it. I tried it. I tried to sponsor myself. Well, it didn't work. I get a little worried. Like, last night, they asked how many people were able to sponsor. There was like 90% of the room raised their hands. Yeah. You know, I mean, we need some new people. Yeah. I need to sponsor these, <laughs> yeah. and so do you. Yes, we need enough of them so that we can do that. New right, coming in, you know. And the, yeah. the other thing, when I get a new guys to get them, man, if you run into somebody that's cool, you know, that you got that feeling about that's a cool dude, bring mm-hmm. him to the spiritual underground. Yeah. Yeah. Go fishing, right? Bring people in. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've had two that have came to me and said they wanted it, and um, they ended up. You know, I guess they just weren't ready, you know. The other I mean, thing I say, good thing my recovery is not based on their success. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. my willingness to be there and do it is what mm-hmm. I, where, where my recovery sits yeah. on. And I can give them the guidelines, and they can choose to stick to the guidelines and do what do what I did 
to get sober and change my life and my trajectory yep. or they can they can the best be. way to attract sponsees is to share a meeting so it really is the best way it is the number one way to get sponsees to come ask you because uh, they hear you talk and that opens up the thing for them to be, come over and talk to you after a meeting or something mm -hmm. I need to get better at that so I need to do it more often you don't have to be long-winded yeah Yep. That's everything, people. Well, we don't allow you to be in sports or underground. You only yep. get three minutes. Ding. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, three minutes. That's, that's that's such an awesome tool, man. It helped me a bunch personally because I can keep it tight. Yeah, you know, and not because people only people only have about three minute attention span anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, they're checking out on you when you get past that anyway, and your message is getting diluted. Yeah, and, or uh, but you just there's a thing the economy of words. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Peter says, "Be precise with your speech." Mm -hmm. One of his rules. Yeah, all that's old tools too. And yeah. you should get to the point and uh, and say what you need to say and get in and get out and make it clear and concise. Mm -hmm. Jocko has some term for it too. Yeah, Jocko's a cool guy too. I like listening yeah. to his stuff. I, I'm I'm actually pay for Jocko now. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, when I get somebody I really want to support and really like to listen to and stuff. Yeah, uh, I like to, you know, because I don't know, it's five bucks a month or something. I can't remember. And, yeah, um, is that on his Patreon or what does he have that you pay for it on? I really don't know. I think yeah. he's got his own. You know, it's that Jocko Underground. Oh, thing, okay. And I really don't know how. I don't think it's attached to Patreon. Okay, it's his own. It's a, his and own you get thing. a feed of other podcasts. Okay. You get some stuff that he does a publishing place else, and it, but it feeds right into my Apple. Okay, to your podcast. To my podcast thing. Okay. And you can just see it's got a different background, a little like okay. uh, Jocko's is black and white, and the underground has some red highlight in it and stuff. Okay. So you can see that other one. There's another dude that I got turned on by Jocko. His name is Daryl Cooper. Daryl Cooper. He's got a podcast called Martyr Made. Okay. The Martyr Made podcast. Huh. And uh, he does these history things. Uh, and some of them are behind the paywall, and I've been paying for his, too. Okay. But, like, you remember the Jim Jones drink the Kool-Aid guy? Jim Jones drink the Kool-Aid guy. He Maybe if I heard the preacher that it. took him down to Cuba or Central America and okay. fed all his church cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. Oh, you okay. don't. You, uh, you might be no, young I'm, enough. I, I think I'm a little young. I think it's. A little, little he, he does a big research on there, and it's like a five or six episode podcast, and it's just unbelievable to watch this guy go from. If he hadn't have done what he did, mm -hmm. he would have been in the annals of like uh, for racial uh, equality mm -hmm. in the neighborhoods of like Martin Luther King oh. and this kind of stuff. Had he been doing that you know he was doing stuff where he'd hold these uh restaurants hostage basically if they wouldn't serve black people oh and he'd have his whole congregation come and sit at the doors you know and until they would decide and he started in Indianapolis did he really yeah. okay I'm gonna have to look this, this up like, uh, oh, 1977 or something when he did the Kool-Aid incident okay um so he had all that and then he started getting drunk on this power that it was given to him, and yeah. they ended up cheating some stuff. And he was doing some tricky healing and doing, mm, you know. But okay. to watch him get swept up, the ego swept him up. <sighs> and watch what you end up, you know, at the end there of that. However many people was down there, yeah. and they got live audio. He recorded about everything. It's it's disturbing to listen to. Is it really? Huh. But his, I love Daryl Cooper's podcast in the way he researches. He really puts. You ever heard uh, Daryl uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History? I, I have seen that. I haven't. You know, really I like that real fact-based stuff on history, where a dude is very obviously uh, uh, done his research. 
Yeah, somebody's told me about that, but I haven't listened to it. He's hard to, it's Cooper. a funny one, too. Daryl, D, I can say, it's got a funny spelling. It's not as bad as my new buddy Derek, but it's close to <laughs> D-A-R-Y-L or something like that. D-A-R-R-E-L-L. There's probably a Y in there. I think it's two R's and a Y and maybe two L's. But I can appreciate that. I got creative with my daughter's name and threw a Y in there, too. And it's what is it again? Carson. Carson. Yeah, so we put a Y in there instead of an O. C-A-R-S-Y-N. So. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. We got to be unique, you know. I'll tell you what. Derek's getting ready to get on the shit list, and the mics are hot. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't I don't allow missed calls on my telephone mm-hmm. by sponsees. Uh if you call you gotta leave me a message, man. Oh, he didn't leave a message? Yeah. Oh man. Better get him. I know what one thing about Trey, he would not co sign my bullshit. Right. And um, you know, he 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 stuck to those those guidelines, you know. I needed that. This guy needed that. I definitely needed that, you know. Cause if yeah, but he does it, you know, he does it in a way that like doesn't piss you off and run you off or, you know, he's 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 stiff, but you know he's doing it for your good. Yeah, it's it, you know, the minute I get pissed off about it is the minute that it I think, you know, that's that's he's right. <laughs> And the minute I start getting pissed off at him, he's right. I actually think that if I stop feeling that way with my sponsor, it might be time to end the relationship. Okay. Because yeah. if he's not strumming my strings at that level, mm-hmm. then I'm getting too comfortable or he's getting too comfortable. Right. But I still do, man. My sponsor will pull his sponsor hat on, man. And inside, yeah. uh, you know, I have that initial reaction of to reject what he's saying to me. Mm-hmm. And, but today I know, you know, take a damn breath and listen to this dude for a minute. He's probably right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it takes me a little while to figure that out. But uh, I'd say most of the time. He's, things coming faster and faster for, for me, though. And that's the same yeah. with practicing this stuff. You know, yeah. the lag times on all that, kind of like the response versus the reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, those the, the lag times in between them things just keeps on getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. You know, it appears that you're doing things better. Yeah, yeah. You know, up in here, you ain't right sure about it up in your head, but uh, but you are. Yeah, hell yeah. The gifts keep coming, don't they? Yep. As long as we keep doing this yep. thing. Yep. So. Another thing I like to say is it's not a zero-sum game either, man. It's kind of yeah. gets to be like, well, that dude's getting all the juice, man, so there's nothing left for me. <laughs> right? No. Yeah. There's limitless load. That's another thing Bill put in there. It's a limitless load. Yeah. There's yeah. no limit to what, what to this thing, man. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that you said that stuck out to me um, is if you aren't having fun in your own recovery, it's your own damn fault. I mean that that rang a bell. That that rang for me because I, you know, thinking about oh, how am I going to have fun anymore? Like you know, alcohol was my fun. You know, everything was centered around alcohol. It controlled my life, and that's how I had fun. But hearing that people can really have fun, and it's your own fault if you don't have fun. Yeah, you know that that gave me hope. So yeah, it's a weird that. thing. Like we do this talk about this powerlessness over alcohol and we're powerless over other things and that. But fact of the matter, I do have some choices in my life about how I want to see things. Mm-hmm. And I can choose. I actually do. If I can get my wiring unscrambled, mm-hmm. then I can start bending how I perceive things, you know, and I get to choose whether if this is going to be fun or not. Because yeah. at some level, I'm choosing to not have any fun if I'm going to go do this sober. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm saying, I'm not going to have any fun. And I lay it out for myself. And I go do it, and I'll be damned. I I was right. Yeah. And uh, start re-gearing myself to like, no, man, I can go Mm -hmm. have some fun doing that. Yeah. And change that 
way of thinking, you know, rewiring this noggin. Yeah, that perception. Neural pathways reformulated so that they can allow you to have fun again. Yeah, yeah, for we sure. We got a choice in this thing, you know. A lot of people, there's that, those, these, the way these double-edged swords and, and, uh, and paradoxes and all that that are in this program, like surrender to win, all that, mm-hmm. this stuff, this powerlessness. But yet, you know, I get to choose, man. It's my own damn fault if I'm not having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and I'm, you know, he says we lost the power of choice in drink. That I can't not drink, but I ain't drank in seven and a half years. <laughs> right, right. It gave us our power back. Yeah. You know, it gave us a lot of power back, but. Uh, I still know that I'm powerless over alcohol. Yep. I can't touch that shit because yep. I know where it's going to lead. It's totally lost every bit of lure that it ever had for me. Yeah, I almost and it says it, that like you recall from it from yeah, like a hot it, flame and all that. It almost it makes me feel ill to even think about think it about sometimes. It. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> like makes me want to vomit. You know. Yep. Well, so. I used to like to tell you that a cold beer on a hot day, it's like today, the last fucking thing in the world I want is. <laughs> I don't even want to smell it, man. It smells horrible. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought it was horrible tasting, but I guess that like it's the acquired taste, and you get used to it. All things that's bad for us is horrible. You know, I mean, choking down your first cigarette. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you know, we push through it though. You know, and you know, people talk about even sticking a needle in your arm. I never got to that yet, Mm -hmm. but uh, how horrible that is the first time, you know, and then you can't get enough of it. You know, our bodies has been trying to tell us, hey. Don't do that. <laughs> right, yeah. It's and like the say, natural you know, defenses. Screw you. I'm going to... Do it anyway. You hear about the guys... I, I don't know what it is, but I get a kick out of listening to those guys that on speaker tapes that talk about they got... you know, Oh, they were on a prescribed uh, antabuse. Mm-hmm. You know, where they couldn't drink. They'd get sick, violently ill if they, mm-hmm. if they drank. Yeah. And they would push through that, man. Would they really? Yeah, oh, man. man. You listen to these guys talking about puking their guts up, you know? Oh, man. And, but just keep drinking it and you'll push through it. You know, and you'll get on the other side of it, and then you can actually drink again. Huh. Like one guy was in the Navy, I heard tell that story, and he got taken, you know, they made sure he took his antibuse every day. Oh, damn. Forced administration. Really? And uh, he would go into port on on times when he was on that, man, and push through the damn antibuse. Mm. I mean, that psycho. It's kind of like puke and rally, though, right? I mean, I guess. I used to do that occasionally, you know? <laughs> if I threw up, I'd keep going, you know, unless I threw up, you know? passed out but. most of the time by the time I puked I was done yeah I, I it got to the point where there I didn't really throw up it much anymore you know yeah I so didn't either. I wasn't a big deal. it just wasn't any more fun yeah, yeah. so well, cool man well, I've enjoyed uh, getting uh, that's the other thing about this podcast is I sit here I get to know somebody better and you know opposite addiction is connection so every time I do a podcast with somebody no matter how well I think I know them I always walk off knowing them better and if I have somebody sitting here, like I have sometimes where I have people walk up in my driveway and I've never met. Mm-hmm. I've had a number of people who have come over here to do the podcast that I've never met. And uh, then I got a new friend. Right. You know, one more soldier uh, to do this walk with, man, because uh, oh, yeah. as many of us as we can. Everybody's kidding themselves about what the real pandemic is in this world. Mm-hmm. And the real pandemic is substance abuse issues in general. Yeah. Drinking drugs, the whole shooting match, killing way more people than COVID ever even thought about. Yeah. And we just go la-di-da like it ain't even happening. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, 
I'm on a march for promotion rather than attraction. <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, beat this 12-step drum yeah, from the top I'll of the be, mountaintop and let people hear that there's a way to get out of that shit. Yeah. You going to beat it from a mountaintop in Colorado this year? You going? I'm probably not going this year. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to decide. One thing about this year, if they're t- bow tagging it, you could go at the last minute. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Anyhow. But you still got to get in shape, but you probably are in shape. I'm not. I, I, I am not. It was way harder than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Well, Dan, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Love you very Any much. Any final thoughts? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it was super cool. Uh, very interesting to do. Yeah, these are fun. And then, yeah, I, I liked it. You know, I was a little worried about it at first, but it was it just felt good to just sit here and conversate with you. Yeah, so, it's all it is. I, the vibe is. I'm looking for is if we met up at a coffee shop and we just talked. Yep. yep. It generates a conversation. You get to know me a little better, and I get to know you a little better. And yeah. They get to hear another story of a man working these 12 steps and saving their lives. Yep. Just some more hope. And the ripple effect of what happens if uh, your cho- your daughter doesn't have to grow up with a drunk father and your ex-wife doesn't have to deal with you and parents and yeah. employers and, you it's, know. Yeah. It's, one, more, one more troublemaker out of the world. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 so much better. So I wouldn't change, change a thing now. Cool. So. Cool. Well, we'll close her up with the same things. I added something. Uh, if it's working for you keep doing it even if it's not working for you stop that's pretty simple advice <laughs> yeah, right but yeah. it's easier said than done yeah uh, if you're not having a blast in your recovery it's your own damn fault and thank everyone out there for allowing Josh and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner tonight peace out peace out